Look How Sane and Linear We Are Being is a Homestuck fan analysis podcast and is not affiliated with Andrew Hussey, Viz Media, What Pumpkin Studios, or any of Homestuck's official entities. Please remember to support the release of its books and merchandise whenever possible. Feel free to read along with us. If you have epilepsy or any other light-sensitive disabilities or disorders, we suggest you stick to the audio. This show is not safe for work, and if you're a minor, we ask that you wait to listen until you're old enough to vote for our clown juggalo overlords. It's time to go to hell. Hi, and welcome to Look How Sane and Linear We Are Being, a Homestuck fan cast in the year of our Lord, 2019. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm also Elizabeth. And congratulations to one half of the podcast for getting their doctorate. Yeah! Yeah! Uh, graduate master's degree, but yes! Oh, oh, I'm sorry, you're not a doctor? No, I'm not a doctor, sadly. That would take at least five or six more years, and I'm not prepared for that. Okay. Yeah. Fuck your congratulations. <laughs> Fuck your congratulations. I rescind it. I don't give a shit about your graduate degree. That's stupid. I have a graduate degree in Homestuck. I feel like I have an associate's degree in Homestuck at this point. I have gotten through an entire year of Homestuck now. No, you barely have a GED. <laughs> I have more than I had at the beginning. Yeah, and at the beginning you were at preschool level like a fucking baby. I've been moving pretty quickly through the grades, haven't I, if I already have a GED? Yeah, and let me say, a GED is actually a respectable type of education. I know you have to have, like, a fucking college degree for everything, but if you can get by with just a GED, like, you're fucking set. Absolutely. As someone who has been desperately struggling for, like, two years now to get this gosh dang master's degree and finally has accomplished said goal under much duress. If any of our listeners are somehow hiring... For someone who does whatever the fuck Elizabeth does. <laughs> Anyone out there hiring someone in linguistics to do something besides do a Homestuck fan cast, which is great, but also do, not only does not take a master's degree, but also, you know, doesn't pay real earth money. I pay you 400,013 dollars a year. Which is great. But oddly enough, I tried to pay my rent with that last week, and it didn't work. They were not a fan of the boondollars. Oh, really? Because it worked when I tried to use it in PayPal. But also, my boondollars also look a lot like bitcoins. Hmm, I see. Interesting, interesting. Anyway, as Elizabeth said, we did get through a whole year of Homestuck. We have not been doing this podcast for a year, oh god no. <laughs> this is a whole year of content from Andrew Hussey. There was a lot packed into that last, I don't know how long it took for the last part we read for today to come out, but there was a lot in it. We read about the same amount as we usually do, but it was just like so like, if a regular Homestuck 
reading session is just like a ham sandwich where you get a protein and a carbohydrate and like some lettuce product and some celery. No. <laughs> not the celery, not again. I put I put celery on all of my sandwiches and all of my tacos. But how do you even put it on a sandwich? You can't you can't slice celery. You have to chop it up and then it would all fall out. Yeah, I sliced you no, know, no. I I'll, I'll send you pictures. Long ways? No, not long ways. I just don't eat it like a fucking animal, Elizabeth. That's not... Okay, anyway, aside from Liz's food crimes. If a regular homestuck session was that, then this homestuck session was just a fucking bottle of Soylent where it you got all of your necessary nutrients, but they were packed in a very small bottle, and you also get explosive diarrhea whenever you eat it. <laughs> Which happens to some people who regularly drink Soylent. Noted. It was a time. There were a lot of pester logs. There were literally just so many pester logs. An unconscionable amount of pester logs, which I personally was a huge fan of. May I just say, this was my most enjoyed reading session in, I feel like, a long time. I feel like pester logs are where Homestuck shines the brightest. And it really depends on who is driving the car. Because if you have someone driving the car and it is, say, Dave and himself, that's fucking gold. If you have someone driving the car and that person is Rose and Adios Toreador, then you are going to drive that car off a cliff. Absolutely. They're just going to take a light turn into a canyon and not a good not a good dynamic there. I think my favorite part about the Dave GA and the Rose AT conversations were how perfectly they mirrored each other because even down to the fucking hot dog metaphor. <laughs> God, yes, that was so good. The hot dog metaphor was so good. The hot dog metaphor is really good. It was really good. You know, the difference is that I love one of those trolls with all of my heart, and I absolutely despise the other one for no good reason. Again, is the reason just the voice I keep giving them? I don't know. I don't like the voice. I don't like their typing quirk. I don't like their face. I don't like their face. Because, like, for the reference of the audience, this is the sort of voice I give to Audios Toreador when we read the pester logs out loud. Because sometimes I like to give some of the characters, like, voices when I read them out loud just to make it more entertaining for Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to demonstrate the voice you gave Jasper Sprite for me real, real quick and for our listeners? I don't know if I can if I can replicate such a masterpiece. But, um, oh my god! Please try for me, your dear, dear friend and rival. Hold on, I need to. I need to get. Let, let me grab a piece of his dialogue real quick. Oh, okay, okay, do that. Rosa, I'm just a cat, and I don't know much, but I know that you're important. And you are what some people around here call the serial light. And you don't know what that means, but you will see it is all tied together. All of the light in the ocean and all of the shiny rain and all the songs of your head and the letters they make. 
A beam of light, I think, is a drop of rain, or a long piece of yarn that dances around when you play with it and make it look enticing. That was my Jasper Spreist voice a, a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a bit. Liz tried to do a third voice for Jade that was really just, I cannot actually describe it with words. It was the same voice I was trying to do for Jade. It was the voice you did for the last villain in our D&D game, which was terrible. Was I doing Pollen's voice? You were doing Pollen's voice for Jade, and I stopped you in time. Recreating this voice is impossible for me. Yeah, Betty's right. <laughs> no, 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 that's not it at all. Yeah, Betty's right. <laughs> it wasn't a twangy one, it was just very exaggerated. Yeah, I bet he's right. <laughs> no, no. You still need the too twangy. You're never going to be able to figure out what it was, but I know in my heart of hearts, and I stopped you before. Yeah, I bet he's right. No. Absolutely not. Back to the matter. Do you just hate Adios Toreador because of the voice I give him? No, as I was saying, I hate him for a lot of reasons. Can you tell me these reasons? I would like to know why you hate him so much so that I can formulate the next D&D villain around him. Oh, jeez. No, I just literally hate everything about him from the color of his text to his typing quirk to the voice you do for him to his face. I hate his face and the, the horns and the haircut, which is ironic because it's like basically my haircut but he does not pull it off, and literally just, like, everything about him. So, really, you hate him because he's exactly like you? No, that is not what I said at all. I said his haircut was a little similar to mine, and that is all. Hmm. We've established that the person I'm most similar to in this webcomic is Rose. The person you are most similar to in this webcomic so far is Rose. Yes, so far. Anyway, you don't like Adios Toreador. Did, did you at least like his raps? I thought the last four lines were fairly inspired, and otherwise it was terrible. Yeah, he didn't really rhyme or do too many disses or have any sort of artistry into it at all. No, not at all. He really needs to work on that. He's very bad. When I was reading it, I tried to give it a little rhythm, but it did not. It did not sail. It refused to rhythm because it was rhythmless. And listen, I know about rhythm. I may not be a rapper, but I am a percussionist, by which I mean I play a djembe in my church's choir. And I can say that that did not have any rhythm. You know what did have rhythm, though? Am I going to regret asking? I mean, are you? I mean, ask me. Ask me, why don't you? <sighs> what had rhythm? I think that the Rose GA conversation had a lot of rhythm, even after Dave gave GA, like, a bunch of shitty advice. Actually, I'm going to take that back. I think Dave gave them some very good advice. Okay, no, you're right. Okay, I don't, I don't regret asking because you're right in all ways. It had a lot of 
rhythm, it had a lot of chemistry and all of that. I very much liked that conversation. I feel like it went very well for all concerned. Would you say that maybe like... Just goddamn waiting for that voice. Are you just like thinking that like maybe Dave and G.A. and Rose are, like, forming an auspicious couple? Would you say... That feels like a loaded... Would you say that they, the three of them are auspices? They're being very shade towards each other. This feels like a loaded question. Oh my god, they're just so filling that quadrant up to the brim. I'm sure you're right, because you are the expert on these things, aren't you, Liz? And while we're talking about quadrants, would you say that Gala's Calibrator and John are being so pitch right now? If you say so. I think they'd make such a cute hate couple. Well, she did try to get him killed. So, sure, why not? But remember, she felt guilty after she learned that it was kind of her fault. She did maybe feel a little guilty. I don't know how much I believe that. She doesn't seem to be a person, in my opinion, who feels a whole lot of guilt. But I could be wrong. That's the main difference between Gallo's Calibrator and Arachnid's Grip is the fact that Gallo's Calibrator does, in fact, recognize when she is wrong. Oh, well, that's good. I haven't met this other person who's definitely not Vriska yet, so I couldn't say. And, like, the thing is, why am I still doing the fucking voice? The thing is, obviously, she's not too torn up about it, but she is more torn up about it than you would attribute someone with that personality to be over something like this. Yes, that is true. I do think she didn't actually think that John would get himself killed, and then he did, and then he didn't, and then she was like, oh. Well, uh, uh, hmm, okay. Because if you think about it from her fucking perspective, she was just going to be like, I want to see how far I can break this goddamn game. And she's trying to like test the timeline bullshit here. <laughs> what she's done is she didn't realize that John would be such a stupid idiot. <laughs> she had no possible way of knowing that John would actually go and try to kill the final boss when he's like level five. Even if it was asleep. Listen, I feel bad for John because I'm also someone who's very gullible. But at the same time, she was just like, hey, you should do this. And he was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, why not? John, literally, why are you? What? Uh, uh, John, please. Uh, John, please. I do love the goddamn poetry of us having a flashback of John getting a killer present from David and then. Dave having this, like, actually sincere, like, I value your friendship letter, and that being in the background of John on this jetpack going towards the gate, and then it's just like, reconsider. 
That was very good. That was goddamn poetry. It was. So much stuff that happened in this section. Elizabeth, do you have like a favorite moment of something that happened? Oh boy. I had a lot of favorite moments actually. As I said, I really enjoyed this session. As I said, I liked the conversation between Rose and Kanaya. I liked the conversation between Rose and Jasper Spite. I liked the conversation between Future Dave and Future Rose. There was a lot of good Rose content in this section. I do want to point out that Rose is the first canonical on-screen death. Huh. We know that John is the first canonical death, barring other time shenanigans, because John died off-screen and then Jade died shortly after. But Rose is the first on-screen death. Rose's dream self. Right. It's getting weird in here, folks, and I'm having trouble with whether the tone shifts work or not. It's both incredibly goofy and absurd, and also, like, there's this undercurrent, I guess I would say, where it's pretty goddamn dark, but it never stays there. There's all these goofs just spread over the top, just like a thick layer of peanut butter. And then under that peanut butter, there's just this thick slab of bread of darkness. Under the peanut butter, there's just a whole stalk of celery. Uh, That also works, but you don't spread peanut butter on celery. Yes, you do. No, you don't. You scoop it in there because it's not a flat surface. So I'm, I'm having trouble deciding whether the sort of the tone duality works or not. The fucking worst thing. I was just about to compare it to something I read in high school, but then I realized that I was just about to compare it to Homestuck. <laughs> you were about to compare Homestuck to Homestuck? Yes, I was. <laughs> oh, boy. This is like one of my favorite animes. This is like fucking Full Metal Alchemist or like Avatar. I know Avatar isn't technically an anime, but it has that fucking look to it. It's like these epic animation dramas, but there are these profound moments of sadness in between all of them. And then like you'll have a moment like that, and then two seconds later, there's like a fart joke on screen, or like someone's making fun of Edward Elric for being short. I think that works fundamentally better in animation because you have a very controlled way of, you know, knowing when they're going to get to all that content. When me and Elizabeth read through (laughs) the saddest conversation in Homestuck, I feel like we were both, like, coping laughing at it. Yeah. If that scene was animated, the animators and the directors would have full control over, like, what the tone would be at every point of it. But in Homestuck, like, you, you kind of have to self-regulate these tone shifts. I, I, I think I'm okay at self-regulating these tone shifts, but also at the same time, it does have this unfortunate side effect where we are, uh, like, kind of crying laughing through this whole sad conversation where Rose is like, I'm afraid to die. It's, it's rough. You, you have to get a grasp on what's happening very, very quickly in terms of just literally the plot, where we are, and then you have to self-regulate. And especially when it's that short, when it's only like that one page, it's tricky to do it that quickly. And then you sort of have to process it afterwards, like, 
oh my god, that was, that was like really dark in like a couple different ways. I'm still like trying to think about, whoa, what happened there? Well, we got introduced to it in a flash. And the flash was, it wasn't one of the longer flashes or anything. It was just like, oh, look at Dave being cool. And he's got all this cool new gear. And he's grinding out enemies on here. And he's just looking like super chill. And then you have this profoundly sad conversation. And the, the, the worst part is you get out of this conversation, Rose fucking dies. And then you get into another conversation where Dave is trying to stop this tragedy from happening. And you can kind of see how current Dave sees himself from the future, drop all of his sweet equipment on the ground, jumps into the bird, and goes, By the way, your best friend is about to die, and I'm gonna try and stop that right now. And then... Dave is trying to fucking text John and be like, stop it. John's treating it as a joke. Meanwhile, Dave is here being like, my friend is going to die. This may be a little bit of a stretch, like analysis wise, but a lot of times it feels like that sort of mirrors the overall John-Dave friendship. There is this profound disconnect because they just have very different life perspectives. And in a way, Dave is actually much more serious than John and is much more ready to take things seriously because he knows, this is going to sound very sad, but, but he, because he knows how dark they can get. And John doesn't. Yeah, Elizabeth, that was profoundly said. I know, I know, I know. But I'm not going to take it back because I, I think I'm right. It's really good when we can have moments like when John was recalling that letter and that package that Dave sent to him. And I think in those moments is when it's balanced. I think that did work, although there were some moments there where I was like, oh my god, okay, this is fine, what's gonna happen? I do wonder what would happen if John and Dave switch places for this, because I am not entirely sure how John would react if a future John came down from nowhere and was like, hey, by the way, Dave is gonna die if you don't convince him not to listen to some troll. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's hard to choose that scenario because I feel like Dave wouldn't have listened to the troll in the first place. He would be that much more skeptical of John. Warning him? It's kind of an impossibility. It would have been a very different scenario. Though I think Dave is much more likely to believe the worst and John is much more likely to believe the best. Yeah. That's what I'm gonna say. You know what? This is a fucking depressing topic. I think (laughs) everyone would benefit a little bit from a little bit of a minigame. I think you're right. Alright everybody, and now it's time for the least depressing part of the podcast. It is the mid-episode minigame, where I subject Elizabeth to one of five minigames that... She never gets right. That's not true. I have an over zero success rate, so I would say that's a win. Well, you know, the only one you can win is the troll game shows. But anyway, 
Elizabeth, would you like to tell everybody what games they have a chance of hearing today? Uh, For sure, we have image description, a music appreciation, true or false, Hussie's fixations, and troll who wants to be a millionaire. Elizabeth, would you like to go ahead and spin that not-so-rigged wheel because I totally did come up with five for all of these? Absolutely! We have no idea what the game is because I, a very good podcast host, did write all of the sequences that I needed to write for today instead of playing Stardew Valley. That's exactly what I did today. I played no Stardew Valley. All I did was write minigame segments, and we have all of the minigame segments, and we are definitely not trying to rig one in our favor. No, absolutely not. What we're going to be playing today is music appreciation. Whoa, I had no idea. Oh my gosh. Music appreciation is a game where I list three real song titles from any of Homestuck music albums and mix them with two fake song titles of my own creation. And Elizabeth has to find the false tracks. Elizabeth, are you ready for the music appreciation bit that I totally wrote instead of doing Stardew Valley. I totally am. You're... (laughs) Oh, I forgot. (laughs) I forgot that I wrote these. And, oh, this is... Oh, folks. Folks, this is about to get real horny. Oh, God. So your five titles are S-T-R-I-P. That, like, an acronym, but it spells out strip. Uh Uh-huh. Virgin Orb. Tentacles. Repopulation or Ugly Betty. Um. Three of these are real Homestuck tracks. Two of them I fucking made up. Uh huh. Okay, okay. Oh, wait. I'm going to go with the fake ones are. S T R I P and. Ugly Betty. Are those your final answers? Yeah. Well, Elizabeth, you are half right. S-T-R-I-P is a fake Homestuck track, but Ugly Betty is a real Homestuck track. Ugly Betty is in the Volume 9 album of Homestuck. It's not in a sound file or anything, but it's in Volume 9. The other one that was fake was actually Repopulation. God damn it! I... Almost said that. I was so close to saying that. I I went back and forth. Yeah, keep lying to yourself, sweet cheeks. (laughs) I was. It's true. The other two ones that are on this list are Tentacles, which is in the Squiddles album, (laughs) and Virgin Orb, which is in the Alternia album. God, why? Those are some real Homestuck songs. Of course they are. And it gonna get real horny. (laughs) (laughs) And Elizabeth, as always, you, you know, fucking screwed the pooch on that one because you did not go with your heart or your gut or your mind. So do you want to know what you, uh, get for losing? What do I get? You get to read more Homestuck. A lucky me. One step closer to 
the horniness. Oh yeah. <laughs> Make her a member of the Midnight Crew. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> See, okay, fuck it. This is one of my favorite Homestuck tracks. It's so good. The sound file for it is super lit. Yes. Do, do the kids still say lit? As far as I know. Well, then it's so it's super lit, Dab. There was the, the sequence where the... Black Queen was dressing Jack Noir up in all these silly outfits. She was like laying down and watching him from a chase lounge. And I'm like, I'm watching this now as a 24 year old adult. And I've realized something that I didn't catch when I was 16. Uh huh. This is a fucking fetish. No. She's like watching him with this discerning eye and she's got like the one leg. No. So tantalizing over the other leg in her lap. And she's like... No. Wiggling around. Absolutely <laughs> not. She's kind of like tapping her toe like she's a dominatrix. How do you spot a dominatrix? Oh, because she's tapping her toe? Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Andrew Hussey is not going to do explicit porn in Homestuck yet. <laughs> <laughs> so... He has to make do with cultural euphemisms. So I feel like that is like the closest you're going to get to PG dominatrix behavior. (laughs) Oh, I just found the title to this episode. (laughs) (laughs) This is PG dominatrix behavior. This is PG dominatrix behavior because she's making him do this thing for her own pleasure. And he doesn't like it. And I'm going to say she's not a very good dominatrix because she's really not listening to her partner. And I'm sure he's uttered out a couple of safe words at this point, but she's really crossing the line here. Yes, absolutely. She does regret it. Yeah, because now Jack is the fucking king. Yep. I guess he is the queen because he did take her, uh, her ring. Yes. I do have to give actual narrative props to Hussey hmm. for one thing that he does very well in Homestuck. He's always throwing so many different abstract concepts at you. But I, in this read-through, never once have I like felt like I've been too confused for my own good. There's obviously parts where he is intentionally making this confusing, but when he's introducing a new topic, he will introduce it in a fairly plain, clear-cut way first. For example, with this, when the White Queen took the ring off and all of those monster elements fell off, and then, holy shit, it's the windswept question. Right. So, like, the ring turns you into the queen. Cool. So we get that mechanic, and then, like, a little bit later, we see the reverse of that, where he takes that concept and he's like, Okay, I taught you about this 30 pages ago. Now here's why it's important. Right. I do think he's done that pretty well. I mean, we saw that in Act 1 where he took that entire act to set up all of the base concepts of Spurb and how capture lodging works and all of that. Like, he took the time to lay all of that out so he could move through it more quickly and with more relation to the plot later. 
So he does do that well. If he does one good thing well, it's all of the horny dominatrix stuff. And if he does two good things well, it's all the horny dominatrix stuff and good narrative introductions. Yep, those are sure two things. Elizabeth, would you you say that the White Queen is hot? I have told myself that every time this comes up, I'm going to not comment on it because I feel like if I did, I would never hear the end of it. No, here's the thing, Elizabeth, I promise once you admit that someone is hot in Homestuck, I will never bother you about it again. But you have to be genuine about it. It has to be someone that is actually very hot to you. I think I'm still going to hold off judgment. Oh, all right. I get it. You think Rose's mom is hot. (sighs) You're into MILFs. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, lady. You don't have to tell me anymore. I know you're super into John's grandma. I can say definitively no on that one. Maybe when she was younger. (laughs) Still no. I'm just going to put a blanket ban on Nana in all forms. I think I know exactly who, like, you think is the hottest in Homestuck. And that is the ascended Jack Noir, where he has, like, a, a sword through his chest. And, like, the double wings, and, like, he's, like, kind of a furry? Also, no, I get enough accusations of that in my D&D group. There's no more. Not gonna happen here. Nope. Absolutely not. All I'm saying is that when you make one half of an NPC pair a furry, I'm going to assume that you're a fur. I have to get out the meme. I've been waiting to post this meme. I'm sorry that you'll have to edit this part out, but I need to post this meme. <laughs> That's good. Check Twitter. Check Twitter right oh, now. No. <laughs> I hate you so much. What the fuck were we talking oh, about? Oh god, I don't know. I don't remember what we were talking about. You started talking about fucking furries. Yeah, because you were talking about Ascended Jack Noir being a hot. I have full editing control over this podcast. No. You're going to get called out. I swear to God. Just a little bit. Anyway, since I completely forgot what we were talking about, how about this? I love Gallows Calibrator with all my heart. Same. Yes. Yes. Okay. <gasps> Wait, do you like her? Do you like her more? I mean, I just like, as a character, she's very good. And I think I I have already admitted that. We've established this. I do have to confess that before this session, really, Gallo's Calibrator didn't really have, like, the most personality. That was me being nostalgic, of course. In the beginning, she does have some, like, very, like, flat, kind of funny, like, one-liners. But this time, I think we did see a little bit more of her personality, and that personality is very endearing. Yes, she's very good. She makes a map for John. (laughs) The map was very good! And she's like, I chose chose the colors that I have been able to see. They're- oh shit, I just remember you wanted to talk about fucking blind people using computers! Yes, okay, so this made me mad at Andrew Hussey. The line where John's like, oh, do you have a braille computer or something? 
I feel like this is important for people to know because a lot of people don't realize that blind people can use computers, but they absolutely can. And to a variety of assistive technologies, and I'm sorry, I'm going to get a little bit luxury for just a second. Just everyone hold on oh, no, because no. it's Do it. important. There is a lot of different assistive technologies, but like for people with low vision, sometimes you can just use things like magnifiers or color contrast, but then there's also screen readers, which read out the contents of um, websites aloud, and that's actually why we have things like alt text for our own podcast. We have image descriptions for our cover art, and that's why for screen readers. So the point of all of which is that blind people can use computers and phones and technology like that without having to have super smelling powers. Gallows Calibrator's super smelling powers are very good, but that's also like some sci-fi bullshit. There are real people in the world that get by just fine without super smelling powers. I, I do want to say, as we're talking about fucking image descriptions, you know, if, if you follow our Tumblr, you do see that there we do have those for the images. If you follow our Twitter, you might notice that there are not image descriptions on every post, and that is because Twitter actually has a very good feature where you can add them in the alt text of your images so that people with screen readers can basically hear your images without taking up most of your 280 characters trying to describe an image. So if you are on Twitter and you care about that, which, I mean, I feel like you should, if you go into your accessibility features, you can turn that on and any pictures you upload to Twitter, you can add a small image description on it just to help out the people who need that sort of thing. Yeah, also all of those memes on Twitter that are like pictures made of like keyboard stuff are completely hell on on screen readers. So like, but this has been a PSA about screen readers (laughs) and Twitter. (laughs) I don't think characters like Gallows Calibrator are harmful to the fact that blind people exist in real life. But I do think it is a little mean for Andrew Hussey to insist that... (laughs) That there are no accessibility items other than her own supernatural smelling abilities that she can use to navigate the world at, you know, her own comfort. Yeah, exactly. I think in her introduction, I think he even says that she doesn't really use troll braille. Because I think he does point out that troll braille exists, but she doesn't use it. Well, I could be remembering that wrong, but that's what I remember. You know, that's actually pretty accurate to the real world. Funnily enough, the use of Braille has really declined in recent years. That was probably by accident, but I guess. I have, I have a friend who works at the Kentucky School for the Blind, and a lot of her job is converting plain textbooks into Braille textbooks in partnership with some of her blind coworkers or just her coworkers that can read Braille, to create these Braille books that they do send to the Library of Congress. But the Library of Congress has to be like, yo, can we get this in Braille? (laughs) They have to do it. And it's a very expensive process. So I feel like if you are just a normal-ass blind person living around in the world, you can't get 500 Braille books. It's just too expensive. And one Braille book is just, like, very thick. 
it's also just like hard to learn. There's a number of reasons why whales, I think, have been falling out of out of use in recent years, even among trolls, apparently. How did we just Okay, I do wanna point out that we talked about hot furry Jack Noir. <laughs> And then that somehow morphed into blind accessibility issues. That's really a metaphor for this entire podcast, wouldn't you say? I mean, no, I wouldn't. I would! Well, I feel like that just means you're fucking wrong. I see how it is. I say something perfectly normal and intelligent, and I'm just wrong then. Okay, sure. How about when you say something wacky and, like, fun to add to the conversation, then I will praise you with the righteousness that you deserve. Well, I'll keep a lookout. Because this is a fun, wacky podcast where we also talk about Rose's dream self dying. To be fair, Andrew Hussey wrote that into the comic. So really, we should blame him and not us for talking about it. Why Why did we do this podcast? <laughs> this is a fucking comedy podcast. We have read a, a year of Homestuck. And what have we gotten out of it? We've gotten to some angst. We've gotten a lot of horny bits. Most of it was in the intermission. We got a lot of confusion. We got... Too many instances of the R word. <laughs> too many. Too many. Elizabeth. Yeah. I do have to read. We read a year of Homestuck. If you were reading along with Homestuck as it was updating, and you just got to this part, and you're like, "Wow, I've been following this comic for a year." If you got to this portion of it, would you continue reading? Are you talking about? how old I would have been on April 13th. No, I'm talking, I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking about 23-year-old Elizabeth that can say the F word. Yes, I would. If I had gotten this far and I was just reading this as my own free will, I would absolutely keep reading it. That's probably a good thing because you know what? What? We have to keep reading. We are bound by contract to keep reading so it's a good thing that i would keep reading anyway here's the thing elizabeth when what we said in like the first episode of this podcast is going to send us to hell i meant that quite literally but there is one way to get out of hell and it is not by praying as you might first assume it is not absolving your sins at the confessional box it is not by paying indulgences to Andrew Hussey. <laughs> Do you want to know how we are going to crawl ourselves out of this homestuck hell that we have condemned both of our souls to? How? I think the only way we can get out of this hell is if we finish homestuck all the way through. That is a staggering thought, but I think you're right. That's all of the homestuck we have for today. I feel like there was a lot more in this episode, but we are running low on time. I didn't even mention Pashu, which is a very good joke. <laughs> it was a very good joke. Or the fact that the trolls apparently have a hacker that doesn't want to talk to them, and a timeline consultant that doesn't want to talk to them. I know exactly who both of those are. We saw Grim Altrilatrix, and we did talk about how we saw Adi Adias Toreadors. 
Yes, yes. There was so much today, but there's only so much Homestuck we can get in one session. And I'm sure most of this will come up again. <laughs> I know, because I'm ready. <laughs> so that was all of the Homestuck we have for today. Today we read through pages 1,557 through 1,668. You can read all of Homestuck at homestuck.com. And if you want accessible versions or you need accessible versions, including the version with image descriptions, like image descriptions we talked about earlier, and the audiobook version, they're linked on our Tumblr blog, lookhowsane.tumblr.com. Also on that Tumblr, our transcriptions for this podcast. We talked about blind accessibility. Well, transcriptions are for deaf accessibility and hard of hearing deaf accessibility. And also things like uh, ADHD and just people who don't want to listen. Yep, they're multi-purpose. And also we have to always find fun workarounds for some of the things that we say on this podcast so if you want to go see how the heck I figured out how to write out the noise that Liz made a number of times last episode, you can go look at the transcript. I need to go look at the transcript to see how you transcribe the Waluigi thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please do. So there, there are some gems in there, even if you don't need the transcripts. I recommend reading them. We also have a Twitter, at how underscore sane, which Liz has lambasted me during the recording of this very episode, but listen, that meme had to be posted right then. I had made it. I'd made it months ago, and I had just been waiting and waiting for the opportunity to post it. She's she's just a furry in disguise. But yeah, I guess now if you want, you can see how far in advance we record these fucking episodes. <laughs> We're actually behind on recordings because we ran out because of the whole graduation thing. Which Elizabeth did need to graduate. Yeah, I am going to be actually graduating tomorrow. So at the time that we're recording this, that's exciting for me, Elizabeth. Absolutely. Our music is done by John Michael, who is Elizabeth's younger brother. One of Elizabeth's younger brothers. Yes. And he did a very good job. He still has that funk project going around, doesn't he? It was the Funk Chronicles. Oh god, no, I'm not going to. Yeah, it, no, it was, okay. it was Funk Chronicles. He's got the Funk Chronicles. <laughs> yes. That he does. So the Funk Chronicles that he did in collaboration with a couple other people. You can look that up in Spotify and I think Apple Music and uh, things like that. Here's the thing. Why do we even fucking say that when you can just Google shit <laughs> now? <laughs> Politely request, as always, that you go rate and review us on iTunes and tell all your friends about this marvelous Homestuck fan cast that in which you can listen to a lot of horny jokes and a lot of accents and a lot of information on accessible technology. Hell yeah. So just, just tell everyone about that. Get all your friends listening. And, uh... Until next time, remember, Vriska did nothing wrong. Do you think Vriska would have killed John in cold blood? I suspect that she might have!